The first cut, cut, the first cut, the first cut, cut, first, the first, first cut, cut, cut. Thanks for joining us in our next Not Safe for Work podcast. Yeah, this one's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of F-bombs and G-bombs and no, I don't know what a G-bomb is. Anyway, um, so Jeff had the uh, privilege of interviewing Colby Parker Jr., which is an editor. He lives in L.A. when we were in L.A. Um, He's done some pretty awesome movies. Uh, Peter Berg movies, Battleship, Hancock, The Kingdom... Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, he's a spitfire. Pretty impressive list. Like, if you if you have a hard time paying attention to things and you need something to be, like, really amazing and crazy for you to appreciate, watch watch or listen to this episode of In the Cut with Jeff and Colby Parker Jr. Well, it's pretty okay. explosive. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it explosive, but you, if you're listening to this episode, I would highly recommend you go and actually watch it because Colby, he, he rocks. He's awesome. I mean, you just want to have him over to hang with. Um, but not get on his bad side. <laughs> nah. Let's make it sound mysterious. It's very mysterious. Okay, enjoy this episode. It. It's pretty awesome. Well, at least we think so, and we hope you like it. Or check it out on crafttruck.com. I'll just teach you simple cuts to start with. This is good for sound, right? Yep. The helicopter. Anything's Garbage trucks so, this morning. You said yesterday you were called into the in, into the suite into a meeting or something. Oh, I'm on a film right now. Which one? Can you talk about it or no? Uh, yeah, sure. It's a uh, lone survivor. Lone survivor. It's uh, sounds like a drama family film. <laughs> it was a book that came out in uh, 2006 about um, about a helicopter that was interrupted. I've been pulling a lot of these sound design. Uh, Navy SEALs who get dropped in Afghanistan, and the name is the lone survivor. So, so it's like the one guy who's like is yeah. alone in the desert. Uh, yeah, in Afghanistan, his uh, name is Marcus Luttrell. It was a popular book, and Wahlberg is uh, playing Marcus, and so he gets dropped in Afghanistan. Like in Tora Bora, like or uh, the Hindu Kush, and they're doing a recon mission where they have to put eyes on. It's yeah. going to feel like we added these sound yeah. effects just because it's Sorry. like, you know... I'm like, so you know, used to it. We should just add, like, score right now, you know what I mean? Like, you know, no, no, don't leave me, the airplane. It's all I've been working with, it's fine. Yeah. So they get dropped in, and they come across some goat herders, and they have to decide on the spot because they're compromised to kill them, let them go, and they decide to let them go. They take a boat, they let them go. And then an hour later, they're compromising on the run from 100 Taliban. And they all sort of get picked off, except for the lone survivor, who eventually, um, he like passes out and he wakes up and he's actually taken in by a Pashtun tribe who's against the Taliban. So it's then becomes them protecting him from the Taliban. Because in their custom, if somebody asks them for help, they have to protect them. So then a local Afghani tribe ends up saving Marcus from the Taliban. Very cool concept. Is this is this kind of like the sequel to uh, to Three Kings? Is that was that? Is, is it, is <laughs> we it should true? be so lucky. <laughs> uh, it's a true story. It's, so. a, it's, a, it's a great. That's a great. Whoever took the real story. How and how close is the real story to the to the script? Was it? Is it already shot? Yeah, hundred percent shot. Yeah, we just presented to the studio. It was a neg pickup film, so. We just present Universal's doing distribution, so they were really into it. So now, so oh, so it was, so who so independently financed then through a small yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. May I ask who? Uh, Emmett Furla. 
Oh, is that a Frollo film? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and uh, is it also, uh, I mean, I know you do a lot of work with Peter Berg, but is it also Peter Berg? Yeah, Peter Berg is directing. So he must be, like, if it's a smaller budget, it must be really close to him, right? It is, it is. I mean, it's still $40 million film, so it's like... <laughs> Let's be frank, that's, yeah. that, that's barely enough to pay yeah. for that's, a few lunches. To pay all the uh, above-the-line yeah. costs, yeah. basically. Um, You're not even getting paid on this movie for $40 million. <laughs> You're doing this out of... <laughs> You're doing this out of the goodness of your heart, aren't you? I must have a low rate because everyone <laughs> was really pissed and I was the only one that, like, they, my deal went through pretty quickly and painless. So I was like, God, I must be really underpaid. <laughs> I was the only one that was like, I only took a day to do your deal. That's right. <laughs> and nobody, no negotiating. Uh, no, it was weird. I actually, in hindsight, everyone was really pissed. I spoke to my agent. I'm like, I don't know what you did, but uh, thanks. You were. Uh... <laughs> how many how many days are you shooting for the for the for the picture? 44 days. 44 days, all shot where Morocco, New or? Mexico for uh, New Mexico for you know, and for Afghanistan. They did some exteriors locally, um, but for the most part, it uh, it was all in New Mexico. Now the dialogue you have with. If I may call him Peter, uh -huh. or be presumptuous. With uh, what does he go by, Bergie? Uh Yeah, Pete's good. Yeah. Okay, the dialogue that you have with Mr. Berg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, can you call him in the middle of shooting and say, "Look, I really have a recommendation for you." I oh think, yeah, all the time. All yeah, the time I actually, they're calling me a lot and saying, "What do we need?" Um, and you know, I usually just put together a list. It's really um, tough because directors, they take it so personally when you're like, you need this shot. And they're like, no, I don't. And it's really... Why is that? Why do they take it personally? Tell me. I don't know, because they're fucking narcissistic egomaniacs, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I'm like, stop fucking calling me if you don't want to hear what I have to say. It's like, I don't know why I have to fucking battle. You're calling, I'm not calling you, you're calling me. Right. And they, they just take it personally. It's like a shot to them as directors. Right. But it's, it's just like, you're, you're the one you got a lot on your mind, dude. Just get this. Right. <laughs> you're the one staring at the footage and you're trying to put it together. Yeah, it's... It's actually one of the more annoying. That's I, this is the first film I was like I don't I'm normally on set, and I was like please don't I just want to stay here in LA and cut because I just can't deal with like. Normally when I ask for a reshoot, they're like okay they put it on the list and the AD calls you know it's a whole rigmarole for scheduling right to you know figure out when they're gonna do these pickup shots, and. Um, <clears throat> So then inevitably, like, the AD will come in. They're like, let me see the scene, show them the scene. And then wardrobe needs to see the scene for continuity. And then, then whatever location or the grips, and everyone has to see the scene because everything has to match. So they're, you know, they're building. And then so I lose two days of editing because I've become a, you know, a projectionist for all these people. And then they don't even go and shoot it. So I'm right. just like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to... Cut. Yeah, I'm just gonna cut and not get my hopes up that you pick up a shot that I've asked for. Right. <laughs> just, I'm which, not gonna get my hopes. Up. Just which worked work, actually right? well because yeah. it was so funny because Pete would call and be like, "I'm not getting," you know, I'd get a call from the AD, and then you know Pete would call me like, "What's what shot do I need?" He usually call during lunch, so I get to hear him eating as he's talking to me. 
He's like, what shot do I get? And I'm like, this shot. He's like, I don't need that. And I'm like, all right. And then I'll see it in the dailies later. Yeah. Okay, but the, the way we're talking here, it sounds like there's like like a, almost like like a brotherly love. Yeah, yeah. yeah because is, I mean, it's not. It's, this it's is not the like, seventh film I've done with. Right, him. exactly. We've been together twelve years. Right, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes when I when I actually get too sensitive, you know, he's just like, "Come on, it's a shorthand. Don't be such a little baby." I can we record some of these conversations that you guys have and play them back? In, in I think front? it would make a really good reality show. I, 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 Not me, but just seeing what a man. I, I just love I the fact for. that he has to support the editor. Be like, you did a good job cutting it, Colby. It did. It was. It's okay. He it's never, okay. He never does that. No, he really, really. No, no, I have to talk him off the ledge. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's going to be okay. Everything's here. It's just a process. Can he be, like, really neurotic? Like, I mean, I, I was making, we were talking about Steven Soderbergh yesterday with uh, Doug Grice, who's uh-huh. cut for him. Uh-huh. And I was saying, you know, does, does he... Oh, he is, just did uh, Spring Breakers, right? Yeah, Spring Breakers, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. And so he was saying, I was saying, does, does Steven, I guess he's called Sody, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pace around the room? And he said, yeah, he can be on his feet pacing a lot, you know? And it's, it's very nerve-wracking when you are directing mm-hmm. and you're at this final step to watch the movie come together and all of a sudden something feels like it's just falling dead mm-hmm. right so is that what generates the, the tension in the room is is that you know like it's just it's just a nerve-wracking feeling that we're not going to figure this out it's a little different with Pete he does it by intimidation so he's kind of like a coach that will doesn't mind making you hate him so you can prove him wrong <laughs> okay <laughs> So Same with just, the actors or just with the editor? No, with the editor. He'll just okay. be like, this fucking sucks. Like, look at this. Let, let me explain to you why this is the worst edit ever. <laughs> and then he just leaves for a day. And, then and so you're so left you're like, alone. And you you're start- left alone and like, inevitably, the cut ends up where he wants it. But it's more or less because you're like, that guy's a fucking dick. I'll show him. And you work harder to make the edit good. This is fantastic. Everything you're saying right now is absolutely fantastic. It's gold. It's the shit of internet gold. <laughs> okay, like this is just this is better than a Russell freaking out on like on Lily Tomlin. You know what I mean? Anyway, all right. Anyway, not maybe not. But if you guys were here, you know. Anyway. Um, Okay, so let's just talk about specifically about the movies because we got to get into them. First movie you did with him was well, you were an additional editor on the rundown, right? Mm-hmm. So is that where you met? Uh, no, I met him. I was sort of the go-to music video guy in New York City, and he had a video that was going to play. When they used to do videos, they used to incorporate movie footage into a song that was on the soundtrack, and this was a Limp Biscuit video. So I cut a Limp Biscuit video for him. That was on the Very Bad Thing soundtrack. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so then you met, and then... And we got along really well, and um, we were just sort of kicking it in the city, and then he had a TV show called Wonderland. Right. That was on ABC, so he brought me in the cut on that. And then, uh, and then the rundown happened, and he called me in to do additional editing on that. Yeah, so. Did you sort of pick up... For the editor, at, you know, at, to, to pick up the pieces at the end and carry it on, or were you there the whole time? Was it was it uh, after was, filming started? Um, he brought me in, which I really appreciate. I know the studio is always like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" You know, cutting right. music videos, and right. he really believed in me. And uh, so I just he just came in to kind of 
they just need a second editor. The way Pete works is he's very stream of conscious, so he looks at a cut. He said, you know, when he looked at the the rundown or any time he does a first cut, you know, he sees the editor's cut, he goes in the parking lot and pukes. Really? It's, yeah, he just, it's just so stressful. And so um, he just brought me on. There was a really good editor, Richard Pearson, on that, who, you know, for the most part had everything under control, but I was brought in to kind of spice up some scenes and just support. It's just the way Pete works. Did you ever bring a bucket out to the parking lot for him (laughs) to puke into, or was that...? You know, an editor's job is just to really calm him down. It's just like, respect the process. It takes time. No one can read your mind. What do you want? And let's just get into it. Now, the rundown is... Uh, to me, it's it's a phenomenal little action movie. Well, not little, but it's a phenomenal mm-hmm. sort of canon action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, were there certain were there specific scenes that you were just given and that you cut up yourself? The, the first thing I had was uh, this tumble-tumble sequence where um, The Rock and Sean William Scott... Are hanging upside down? Or? Where they jump out of a Jeep and then they go down a hill. Oh, right, yeah. So there was sort of a mandate to make it better than a scene that was in Swordfish that was sort of similar to it. So that was that was the network, the executive note? That was Pete's note. Pete, make it better than this scene in Swordfish. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was called Tumble Tumble. Yeah. And coincidentally, in my new film, there's another Tumble Tumble sequence, which definitely tops them both. But, um... <laughs> so, yeah, I had to do that. And then there was a scene where he's swinging with the monkeys... Yeah, and so those are my first two scenes to sort of spice those up. Those are fun scenes, actually. Yeah. Now, what's the, it, it, in both those scenes? I mean, it's it's kind of like like it, it, it's impact. I mean, I don't know what the terminology is. You're the cutter, but you're basically having to try and keep the story moving yeah. while you're physically hitting the yeah. the audience with these hits that the characters are taking. What's the is there a key to it, or is it just? I wish it was more analytical than that. It's more or less just. Pete being like, this has got to be, mm, it's got to be, uh, and, mm. that's sort of the direction. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot from Pete. I didn't realize, yeah, yeah. you know, it's sort of the born editing, right. but there's just so much shoe leather or fat, and he's really taught me how to, to, you know, cut on like the hits and really to advance the action and make things move. You know, I sort of have always been like, okay, well, I can't have this hit if I don't see where the, you know, it's coming from, and, you know, I've learned... And he's from, like, no. He's just more, you know, it's more pacing, so you could have, you know, if you have two quick hits, then you kind of want to be a little bit more languid and let it play. It's just about timing, so it's boom, boom, you know, boom, 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 and so... Aha, a rhythm. Yeah, exactly, rhythm. So he just taught me how to, you know, work with rhythms and all that. Awesome. It's more instinctual with him than analytical sometimes. So with scenes like that. Right, right. Sort of emotional. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the rhythm thing, the musical element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first movie you cut for him was Very Bad Things then? I didn't work on Very Bad Things. Oh, I cut a music bad. video for that was in the Very Bad Things. Okay, I'm editing out me not knowing what you didn't do, by the way. What? Out of this. I'm cutting right out me not knowing. Right. It's going to stay in the podcast, but it's not going to be in there. Anyway, <laughs> so what was the next thing you, you The first thing was the rundown, and then I think it was the, the, the TV show Wonderland, which was really well received, but got canceled after two episodes uh, because all the sponsors pulled out. It was basically called Bellevue. It was a film about a psychiatric ward. And in like the first episode, we had somebody, a bipolar character, um, stab a pregnant woman 
with a needle. <laughs> and, this, and ABC was like, and all the sponsors were like, uh, no, no, thank you. No, thanks. Sorry, yeah, but happening. it was well received, but uh, it got canceled right away. Right. And then it was the rundown, and then I think uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Now, this is a fabulous movie. Yeah. Um, and completely different. Yeah. And I, I, I think it was around this time where connecting the dots of who Peter Berg was to this actor that was in, you know, the la- I think it was in The Last Seduction, mm-hmm. kind of playing, you know, somebody can be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And then does somebody have such a diverse slate? I mean, you look at The Rundown, Friday Night Lights, Hancock, mm-hmm. The Kingdom. These are not, they're all different movies, right? Yeah. Very different movies. Um, Friday Night Lights had this wonderful sort of pensive quality to it, where you felt like you were sort of just drifting through these characters. It had a story, it had a story arc, obviously about mm-hmm. the team and about the game and about, mm-hmm. but it was really a character, like a, a you know, a gangs all here kind of a, mm-hmm. a character study. Mm-hmm. Um, what, because that movie had that shape to it, did you cut it in a different way? Did you approach it in a different way, or was it? You know, was it so? Did you have to find the rhythm of it? Well, luckily, before we even did it, we had done. You know, uh, Buzz Bissinger is Pete's cousin, so we were all intimate with the book for a while, and we knew that was on his plate, and he wanted to do it. And Pete's an enormous football fan, like myself, so we went down to Austin, Texas, and spent the year with a local football team just to kind of get used to the flavor. An entire year. Yeah, we spent a season with Austin Westlake High School football team. No shit. And while we were there, we one of the games we were filming the games, which eventually we put in the montage. Right. Um, we just went around barnstorming, filming all high school football, and it was actually in one of those games we, about five feet from where we were standing, we sort of could get paralyzed, and he actually used that for the TV show, that plot line. It happened five feet from you. Yeah, we were on the sideline filming. We actually and uh, a defensive back went headfirst into a wide receiver, and instant paralysis. And um, <clears throat> so that's what he used for the TV show. But uh, getting back to the characters, yeah, when we were before we even started, we had this music supervisor Brian Reitzel, and he had phenomenal score. Yeah, he brought explosions in before we had even cut film. And so I had all this amazing music to cut to right off the bat, and that sort of set the tone uh-huh. um, <clears throat> for early edits and sort of that haunting score. Very haunting. Yeah. yeah. And then as we were editing, after the first or second passes, we started to realize that the football was the most boring thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so after a few edits, we were like, all right, let's really sort of truncate the football and get back to the characters and if anyone ever had complaints, it was like, oh, we want to see these characters more. That was the only notes we were getting in screenings. Which is like completely <laughs> opposite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we actually had a scene that was in the book that was very, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of emphasized the racial tension that was really um, explored in the book, but we couldn't do it the movie. Um, where uh, Garrett Hedlund's character, Billingsley, gets into a fight and drops the N-bomb, and there was a lot more racial tension that we added in in the studio. It was just like, this character will be unlikable if he does that. So we had to lose a little bit of that, which 
I was upset about. But um, <clears throat> I think the TV show. Interesting. So you you were upset about losing it because you felt it just added like a, like a depth to it, or a I thought it was truer to the story. Right. right. A, it's what we read in the book that you know there was a divide between the blacks and whites on the team, and um, you know. Yeah, these guys, <laughs> it's the South. <laughs> yeah, this is how people felt. So uh, we had to take that out. But I think that's why the TV show has almost surpassed the film in a way because it's more characters and they have more time to embellish these characters and you grow with them. And that's, you know, um, I think what people want. You know, I can't tell you how many times we have to, I tell people I cut Friday Night Lights and like, it's not a football movie. As, you know, we've all heard that cliche. It's a sociological study of this town and yeah. these people. Yeah. And well, it's think, funny because that's exactly how I remember it. I mean, yeah. Because at the end of the movie, if I remember it, and I think I saw it in the theater with um, with Jesse, my partner, the guy who was just standing there, and his wife, and um, and at the end of the movie, it has this wonderful little sequence where it ties up every character. This guy mm. ended up becoming a plumber, and this mm. guy did this, and this guy did that. And it feels like that's where the movie's leading to, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. they won or lost the game. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, so I think it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Is it, is it, does it, are you really, are you, aside from the having to cut the racial tensions, is it like something you really loved or? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I think maybe the last time I had a positive score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> 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 That's a high five right there. Yes, my man. Yes. If you want, you can roll up a joint in the next room. It's fine. We can. We can. I got a couch. I do that after we, dark. Okay, it's after it's dark. Okay. The lights I, mean, go down. I can bring in a therapist. It's, it's no problem. Um, this next one is going to be really good, so I'm excited. I oh can yeah, it sounds now. like it. Yeah. It's a lone survivor, right? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think. This is like a film that, in the hands of another director, would have become really shitty. Mm-hmm. But in the hands of Peter Berg, is a, quite a good film, mm-hmm. um, and a, an excellent film. It's so taut. Um, you know, it starts up with this double hit mm-hmm. of I think there's a there's a there's a bomb fall like a suicide bomb followed by a bigger bomb, and it's like this. It sort of outsmarts the audience mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, was there a trick? Was it tricky to get through the first act? Because the first one act of this movie is like, bam, you're into the movie, and Jason Bateman and I think Jennifer Garner mm-hmm. and the team are there mm-hmm. in 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 Saudi. Um, no, um, we uh, when we cut that, um, the only thing I kind of remember is that it was in and out of the film a million times. The opening sequence. Yeah, because it's pretty violent. And then the idea is it's the secondary responders that they want to bomb as well. That's why the bomb is eventually spoiled or in the ambulance. Right. Um, And so, I mean, right before the bomb goes off, we would cut to a kid. And we had kids getting blown up. And we had mothers grabbing. And so it was just a fine line of how violent and how disturbing the scene could be. So... There was definitely about 400 different incarnations of that scene, taking out a shot of the kid, putting the shot of the kid back in, losing the secondary bomb. It was... <clears throat> so it was easy to cut. It was just getting frustrating, just going, going in circles, trying to find... Um, 
you know, the right tone for the scene that wasn't too disturbing and throw people off. Is there, is there another version of it that you like better, or is, is that the version that you like the best? I can't remember. <laughs> I think I was just beaten into submission. But um, I, think, I think they're both in there. I think, yeah, there was a shot of a kid getting, getting blown up that I think maybe was just too much, so I think it was fine. And in the end, I think it worked out for the best. The tone's fine. Right. That's a film, when it came out, it, didn't, it wasn't as successful as we thought it would be. I remember you know, Michael Mann was a producer, and I remember seeing, It had a Michael Mann feel to it, by the way. He felt, you know, Michael Mann is so respectful to directors that he would always give notes, plenty of notes, very articulate, and they always helped, but he would never get in the way of what Pete Berg's vision is. I remember the studio once said something where they're like, what do you think, Michael? And he's like, first of all, it doesn't matter what I think, it's matter it matters what he thinks, and he pointed to Pete Berg. And, you know, so that's, everything he gave was a suggestion, but it was still Pete's film. Um, and Pete, you know, obviously took a lot of suggestions, but it's, you know what I'm saying, it's just very, he's a producer, but he was very respectful to the director. But it was great, you know. Um, he said my name once, which was great. Tell us about that moment. When did Michael Mann say your he name? He walked by the office once, and he was like, hi, Colby. And I was like, hi, Michael. And I remember being really nervous. I didn't know if I could call Mike or Michael Mann. I forget what, or maybe I said to Mike. I, I remember analyzing that, my response for a few hours. A few hours, you thought about that, yeah. Um, it, was, it was very rewarding. You know, it was sort of a moment I've made it. You know, he's an idol of mine. I just love his films. So yeah. to be working with him was fantastic. Right. It was great. I, th I think that's a great story because you're being completely <laughs> honest. You're like, Michael Mann said my name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and yeah. So, and in the end, that movie didn't. It wasn't as successful as we thought it was going to be. I think what we didn't realize is I think Gears of War or maybe Modern Warfare was coming out the same weekend as the film, right. and nobody knew at that point. It was like, oh, all these kids that are going to see war films are actually going to rent that video game and you know sort of spend the weekend playing video games. And you know, for the past year or two, I get so many compliments on on that film. People are like we love that film. I'm friends with um, was it uh, Max Minghella, and he was saying his dad Anthony Minghella was like, "That's the only war film that's gotten it right, you know, as far as that war." And and wherever I go, you know, when people sort of uh, name check that when they talk about my resume, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's now it's become sort of this cult hit. I think maybe it came out a little bit too early for its time. Um, the third act of that has a great little trick in it. I mean, typically in a, you know in a third act. Um, one of the things that a story structure will do is bring back a monster, but because the the audience is already familiar with how the monster works, everything just gets accelerated. Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's alien or it's mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. In this movie, if I'm and I'm going by memory, but I think it's tripped off by by Bateman getting absconded with, mm -hmm. and so now the audience, the team, everyone knows they've got an hour before he's yeah. decapitated on yeah. film or something. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, so. Was there a a pressure? Was there a cognizant pressure to tighten that third act, like just ram through it, or was it was it like did you did you have other variations of it where it was longer? Yeah, you know the the first cut is always um, with Pete. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So if the scene plays really well and it's super tight, yeah, he'll be like, oh, we can get more in. 
And so, and then if it's, there's too much, he's like, it's too long because he has ADD as well. So it's basically, all those scenes come together by troubleshooting it every way possible until right. it's, it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, if it feels, I mean, uh, I forget the name, Al, Al Aqsa or whatever it is that, you know, Al, missing. Al Ghazi. Al, yeah, yeah, but he's missing the fingers. Oh, you know? yeah. And it just becomes, it's just this great little turn that you yeah. weren't expecting. I think, you know, there's a lot of intercutting in his films because the Jennifer Garner thing is happening as well at the same time. So that was the thing, just finding the right tone of cutting in between Jen Garner fighting the guy who she eventually stabs in the nuts, I believe. Yeah. And, and Bateman. And so um, <clears throat> she, that was another thing that came in and out a hundred times was the stabbing the guy in the groin. It was like, is it too violent? You know, but we need a big cheer moment here. And eventually we got the cheer moment. You probably liked watching the guy get stabbed in the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I, I think we should go for it. The, the tough thing for that was our cheer moment. You know, that's another thing I learned in film is like our big cheer moment was for Jen Garner and not Jamie Foxx, who's sort of the lead in the film. So that was something we had to f fight with as well. Right. Which you don't, you know, sometimes don't think of at the time. Um, that's you just tipped me off about it with. Oh yeah, so the final cut of this movie is very tight. It's like nine, I think it's like ninety-five, mm -hmm. something like that. Nice tight film. Was what? What was the the first cut? Was it like two and a half hours? I mean, I mean, like was it was it way long? I mean, was there a lot of scenes that got dropped, or was it? Yeah, um, I think more just truncated scenes. Um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a lot longer. I, I can't, you know, the end it's crazy too, right? Because we we do that sort of. Uh, juxtaposition where he says kill them all and the, and the little uh, Saudi kid says kill them all um, yeah it was I wouldn't say whole scenes were lost it was more or less um, just truncating and tightening up scenes Let's just being judicious with the exposition that we were kind of allowing and t you know tipping you know Tip your hand too much, not enough, sort of that. Right, kind of you, put, you pull out the reference to the scene, yeah. here, but you include it there and that exactly. sort of thing, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about how you like to work. Um, do you like to have your assistants sort of throw assembly together and then you take a look at it, or do you just like to sit, have them arrange the footage in a certain way and you start cutting away, or how, how do you like to work? Um, I'm, a, I'm a big organizational guy, so... It's really hard in the beginning. I really have to like pull selects and organize everything. Uh, so, because I'm always going back, so I want to just, if I have to go back to dailies, I, I start to lose patience. Uh, so, I just make sure everything's organized and then I try to do the, the quickest, dirtiest edit. I like to see the beginning, middle, and end of a scene. Um, <clears throat> And then I can look at it from afar, and then that kind of talks to me and tells me, all right, you know, i got to slow down here, or, you know, pick up the pace here, and this is important, That's and I don't need this part. So um, I kind of do everything myself, really. It's, just, it's the best way to get to know the footage. I do an assembly. I'm really, I guess my Achilles heel would be, like, sound design. I just can't. It's just so boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you I, need your assistants to sort of I usually down. then I pass a scene to them and just tell them to really, uh, you know, it's really important and you could sell an edit with sound design so it's tough for me. 
So basically, then I'll have them do some sound design. Lay it down. Yeah, and then, and then once I have a full edit, I throw them. I'll just throw them a scene. I'll just be like, here, work on this scene or something like that. You know, when they want to kind of make their bones. Right. And then I'll just kind of you know tell them what the scene, and then eventually the scene gets into the reels or in the film, and I get to massage it. But that's that's kind of the bone I throw them for having to put up with me. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of what you have to put up, what you're saying, what you have to put up with your uh-huh. relationships with the, with the directors that you're working with, um, or the director, mm-hmm. <laughs> with this wonderful brotherly love. Um, what 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 do your people have to put up with in you? What do you mean? I'm saying, what are you saying? They, they you're saying your 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 editor, your assistants need to put up with you. What what is it that you? Ah, you know, I kvetch a lot, and it's just just normal complaining and. Uh, that's about it. But I'm a pretty good boss. You seem so harmless, though. You seem pretty harmless. I'm actually a pretty nice guy, yeah. so it's a, they, they'd be lucky to assist me. Actually. Yeah, there you go. There, there's the truth. There it is. There's the truth. I'm assisting for Colby next week. I'm, I've never used it after a final cut in my life. But uh, um, do you have any huge influences in the, in the world of uh, in the world of cutting that sort of you? Yeah, um, I think Christopher Tellefson is one of my favorites, who did Kids and mm-hmm. Flirting with Disaster. He just did Moneyball. Oh, yeah, wonderful. He's that that, that business scene between yeah. when they were on the phone, you know, yeah. Yeah, he's, got, he's very nuanced. And Thelma Schumacher. The master. Yeah, and then uh, I guess any David O. Russell film, too. Yeah, he's a big influence. I guess those people. Were you? I, I know we're talking completely off topic here, mm-hmm. but in the fighter, when all of a sudden you find out that the, the documentary is about Christian Bale's character being like a drug addict mm-hmm. and it's got nothing to do with his comeback, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like this, this. You wonder, like, did they actually have a mention of it earlier? Did I miss it? Is it just a bit? It's like, it kind of hits you out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's like this brilliant. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Battleship. Oh, he's amazing. Let me ask you about Battleship. Okay. So no, hold on. <laughs> Scarlet you have to. <laughs> no, listen. You get, you're given a job. You have to cut this huge studio movie together, which mm-hmm. is basically Transformers meets Armageddon mm-hmm. meets Liam Neeson meets The Water meets mm-hmm. Hawaii. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got to cut this thing together. How do you deal with so many effect shots? Like, I mean, even in some of the previous ones, even Hancock has a lot of effect shots, mm-hmm. but I don't think anywhere near. I could be wrong. Yeah. As many as Battleship. Like, how do you how are you editing it together while you're waiting for? Ten, I mean, do you just get as many temps as you can and start working with that, or? Well, um, before they do a big effect scene, Pete and I assume all directors now do previs which is a cartoon version of the scene they want to shoot that's in a big effect scene, and that's how they kind of do their bids. It's sort of a, it's a cartoon bid, and that's, so even before we shot the film, I was editing previs scenes to take money out of the budget or, or to get things into budget, and so I'm like, you don't need this wide or whatever, because every shot, you know, ILM is doing the effects, costs money, so uh, there's a previs, so basically, um, and the previous is made up of, is, is there no hand drawings? It's, did you ever see the, um, 
What's that Dire Straits video, Money for Nothing? Yeah, of course. It's yeah. kind of like that cartoon. Okay, so really... <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's like a really blocky... Yeah, like, yeah okay. Antiquated version of the uh, what we're going to shoot. Um, so, uh, basically, we have plates, and ILM has... has. There's just so many people involved. So ILM has their producers and their VFX supervisor. So even before that, we know what kind of plates we're going to use. So we just slot the plates in and do, um, and do. We'll basically key in maybe if it's the alien from the previs into the plate, which is the live action thing. Got it. And it kind of evolves and grows from there. You know, eventually you're like, oh, it would be great as a cool reverse here or a super tight. So then that leads to an actual. Yeah, and it just kind of evolves. But we kind of have a a template to start from. How many effect shots in that movie? I think there was 1,900. Jesus fuck. (laughs) Holy shit. The funniest thing was. 1,900 effect shots. I think. Wow. Before we came out, they wanted to release it in Asia, but we didn't realize. We were like, five, we were still waiting on 500 shots, and with a week to, and then we just got a call that China wanted their version now. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if the version that's in China played with previs or not. Like no one, it's sort of the the lost cut. We don't know what went out to China. <laughs> I think eventually they got all the effect shots, but it was like, whoa! They Island had to do about. 500 effect shots in a week for a China version. I think eventually they updated it, but it was pretty scary. I remember that. Came. So, like, they just wanted to release it and that was it? They didn't care if it was the money for nothing cut? I don't like China. Basically, China was like, you know, like, all right, so we'll be done March 18th. And they're like, okay, all right. And then they're like, okay, we need to film March 12th. And they're like, we're like, wait, why? We thought we had a plan here. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, the theater has been bought, the IMAX. So, we had a scramble at the end to get the, uh, the China version out. And, right. and then, you know, it was, I think it was pretty similar. I don't want to besmirch it at all. Eventually we got it, but I just remember there was a big scare right. to get the, because we had to finish about a month early before it came out here in the States. Now, the first act of this movie is quite long. It's about a 35 minute first act, right? 40 minutes. <laughs> That's another high five right there, because you're looking to be like, oh, you noticed. You know, tell, tell, us about, tell us about that. I mean, because it, it, it actually sort of takes a long time to develop the character beats once we get to the ship, right? Like, yeah. once we actually get to the ship. I, you know, I have kids, so I can't get fired. Got it's, it. Okay. All right. It, it is what it is. All right. But it was something that you, you sort of wanted to tighten up a little bit if you had your druthers? I guess so. Moving on. We'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> and, and don't, we'll, we'll, we won't put that in. We'll put it in the bit that's, that's from earlier. We're between directors are narcissistic fucks. We'll keep that in. All right. We will cut, we will cut that All in. Right, I'll cut it. that in. <laughs> it's All way right. too long. But, yeah. It's way too long. No, I put, you know, it, obviously if your hands are tied, your hands are tied. So, anyway. We'll, we'll, get, we'll have to do that. You have my, you have my insurance. That. You're okay. right. No problem. You have my insurance. Um, so... Now you're working on Lone Survivor, mm-hmm. and it, how, how, how many weeks to cut this movie do you think? Well, first of all, how many weeks to cut Battleship? Two years. Two yeah. freaking years. <laughs> 104 weeks. Yeah. That's amazing. Did your eyes, did you just go like blind staring at this thing out that long? Uh, there was some downtime. Uh, there was reshoots. It was planned reshoots that they always knew they had to do. But, you know, you're sitting around waiting for ILM right. a, lot of the, a lot of the time. So, uh, 
yeah, it was just, it was, we wanted to come out, I forgot what happened to the dates, but the way the dates worked out is we wanted to come out Memorial Day weekend for the, you know, the patriotic theme. And it was just too tight a schedule to make it whatever it was, Memorial Day 2011. So we just had to bite the bullet and go for 2012. Right. And so we just had all this extra time. But there was a lot of times you're just waiting on the effects. So it was sort of waiting around and maybe noodling a little bit too much with the cut here and there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, was, it just worked out that way. Right. It was a fun experience, you know, obviously. Well, that's good. It didn't get great reviews, but when you're in the thick of it, you're really just trying your best to make things work, and you can really, you know, kind of convince yourself and really just, you really want to tell a good story and sort of work on that, and um, that's why it might have been too long, because we just wanted to explain stuff. There were some logistical issues that maybe, you know, in hindsight, you, maybe the audience doesn't care about, but we just kind of wanted to, we just, a lot of us were sci-fi fans working on it, and <clears throat> we would really try to make sure, you know, there was cause and effect for everything. Mm -hmm. So people, you know, wouldn't question certain things, but they ended up questioning a lot of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All that work gone to waste, right? Yeah, it's yeah. funny, I get it, you know, I get it, a lot of people just come up to me and like, we liked Battleship. It wasn't that bad. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and I'm in it. So <laughs> I, well, that's I, right. you I played, my first you, role. Yeah. Uh, how did you like that? That was fun. I have a lot, of, you know, I sit at the monitor cursing out actors all the time. Like, Jesus, is it so fucking hard to do the line? <laughs> and then you're sitting there. And uh, I was uh, on set and... The camera and like 10 people, the, the DPs, all the cameramen are about, you know, maybe a foot or two away, away from you. So they're really on top of you. It's nerve-wracking. And now you're, you get a taste of your own medicine. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is rough. And I remember cracking a joke and then looking to the crew, you know, like figured they would chuckle with me. And they're just blank-faced like, dude, we break for lunch in an hour. Just do it. You know, they just weren't <laughs> bothered at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a newfound respect for actors and actresses. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially you know, cutting up their work. Yeah. Uh, favorite favorite performance in a movie that you've cut that you just just kept on getting more enthralled by what was there. I don't know if that's a reasonable question. Sometimes it just all falls into you're trying to tell the story. But that's a good question. Bateman is a really really easy guy to cut. He's yeah. he's that's basically him. I've hung out with him socially because I did a couple films with him now, and. Um, that's who he is, and he's just really easy to edit. He's always funny. All his ad libs usually work. He's just really good. Got it. People love him. Yeah, no, he is great. <laughs> right now, uh, sorry to cut you off, but on this no. film, um, Ben Foster, oh, he's is unbelievable. Yeah, that guy is gold, and Wahlberg's fantastic too. But there's something about this guy. He's so intense. I'm really excited for this film to come out. People see his performance. He really is a masterful yeah. uh, young actor. He's kind of in the sort of Brian Gosling, Anthony Mackie, exactly. Ben Foster. There's probably others that I'm not naming now, but he's one of the creme de la creme in this yeah. generation. He's very intense. His, um, he did a lot of research because it's a true story, and he sat down with the family of a, 
this, you know, of the soldier who had passed away and just really was all in, knew the character's Bible. And, you know, a few times on, in Daly's, Pete had asked him to curse and their family was like, he, you know, acts, the character's name is Axe, had never cursed. And he was like, no, <laughs> which is cool. Really? He's like, I'm not going to do it. So it was just cool. He was just really intense. And he's come in to screen the cut and he had some really great notes on the film. You know, not, you know, Mike, forums crinkling actually story notes he was very very intelligent you know very intuitive guy wow yeah so <laughs> sorry that film's not out yet no but, uh, no but by the time we're done this it's yeah. gonna it's gonna of course be... billy bob thornton's fantastic he, right. he gave a very understated performance i thought uh will smith you could cut to him anytime he's fantastic yeah it's amazing right the rock is actually was a great actor too and that was his first I film and I was in shock. I was like, this guy's a really good actor. So I've been lucky. I've worked with a lot of good, good actors. Colby Parker Jr., thank you for being here. Thank you. That was awesome. That <laughs> was truly you. awesome. Liquid internet gold. <laughs> That's my first interview. So <laughs> no, no, it's great. Just okay. make sure I have a job. Let, 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 me, let me introduce you now. So now that okay. we're done, we're going to do this thing. We're actually going to take what I'm saying now and move it to the beginning. Okay. You probably aren't familiar with that technique. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, welcome back to Craft Truck, Through the Lens, Colby. In the Cut. In the Cut. Welcome back to Craft Truck, In the Cut, Colby Parker Jr., picture editor. Rockin'. <laughs> All right, very good.